Hello, hello, listeners of Signifying Nothing, a show about everything on Woe's EQ 91.9 FM here in lovely Northampton, Massachusetts. My name is Romy Negrin, and I am coming to you from the past. For me, it is Friday. What? How is that possible? Well, the horse was named Friday. No. I've recorded this previously, which is just as cool. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest. Her name is Amelia Dolbert. Amelia Dolbert, you're my guest. Yes, I am. Tell the people about yourself. <laughs> well, this is my third or fourth time on your show. Mm -hmm. And I'm just happy to be here. Yes, you are. So we're going to dive right in. We're playing a game today, or rather two days ago, called Did Daniel Day-Lewis Really Do That? I'm going to say some things that Daniel Day-Lewis did or did not do in order to prepare for a role. Amelia's job is to tell me whether or not he did or did not do these things. Daniel Day-Lewis, for women listening, is an actor <laughs> that men love. Men love Daniel Day-Lewis so much. He is their hero. And if they could elect him king of the world, I think they would. Um, so this is Daniel Day-Lewis. Did he do that? I'll start with a lowball. For the film, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, did Daniel Day-Lewis learn Czech, even though the entire script was in English? I really hope he did. He did! Yeah. He did learn Czech. Because he was playing a Czech character. Just he... for fun he did that? His character didn't actually speak Czech? He just... Well, the character would have spoken Czech. But in the film, the character speaks English. But in real life, Czech would have been his first language. <laughs> so he has to know Czech. Obviously. I mean, you can't not know Imagine Czech. Acting, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. For a stage production of Hamlet, did he quit the production after he thought he saw his father's actual ghost? on stage. I really hope that happened. It did happen. <laughs> he thought he saw his actual father's actual ghost in the middle of the play and consummate professional, he finished the show and then he quit the next day. I love that. I um, mean, that's freaky. It's freaky. That's fair. It's freaky. Okay. When Daniel Day-Lewis was in the name of the father, did he spend 24 hours locked in solitary confinement with no food or water to prepare? Yes. No, he didn't. He spent 48 hours in <laughs> solitary confinement with no food or water. Of course he did. Of course he did. That's commitment. All right. All right. All right. For the Crucible, did Daniel Day-Lewis bathe at all? <laughs> Wait, he's in the Crucible? He was in the Crucible. The one with Winona Ryder? I don't know. It must be. It the must be. The movie or the or the This was, stage I believe production. it was a film. I Hold on. Checking my sources, Daniel Day. You know he has like three other names besides Daniel Day and Lewis? Why? What, Just, are, the, what are the other ones? I think like John. <laughs> yes, he is in 19... Yes, he's John Proctor. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I watched that, I think. Well, I watched part of it. And, and you didn't recognize Daniel Day-Lewis. You know why? Because he's so good at acting. I don't think he bathed, based on what I've seen of that movie. I don't think he bathed. He did not bathe. Yeah. 
so his name is Sir Daniel Michael Blake Day Lewis. And Wait, he's his, a sir? Wait, is he British? Uh, English actor, retired actor. He's no longer acting. With really? dual British and Irish citizenship. Yes. I didn't know that. I thought he was American. No. He just does such good accents. Oh my goodness. Because he's such a consummate professional. I'm learning so much about Daniel. And you want to know what his children are named? Yes. Okay. Are they like weird celebrity child names? Well, they're just they just have a lot of names because he has a lot of names. Gabriel Kane Day Lewis. Wait, how is Kane spelled? K A N E. Okay, not like, like Kane Kessler, the firm that my father works at. Not like, not like Kane and Abel. Abel. <laughs> Cashel Blake Day Lewis. Cashel. Ronan Cal Day Lewis. Those are the Lewises. <laughs> um, that's that's the Lewis clan. All right. So, yes, he did not bathe while he was working on The Crucible. That makes sense. When Daniel Day-Lewis filmed Gangs of New York, did he listen to Eminem at five in the morning every day to help him get into character? I want to say no, because I don't think Eminem's from New York, so that wouldn't make a ton of sense to me. You know what? It doesn't make any sense. But, he but it's it? true. It's true. <laughs> understand it's out because he was like that helped me get into the psyche of bill the butcher that's the character's name that's stupid in my opinion because i mean a lot well because it's stupid <laughs> but because the film is set in the 19th century um oh yes the film is set in the 19th what? century M&M. that's exactly right <laughs> i mean if he was trying to get into the mindset of a 19th century character he should have listened well i don't to know shanties. to shanties i don't some, think he's a seafaring man could have just been some violent folk songs just some violent folk music he probably would have been the subject of violent folk music would old bill the butcher i've never seen this <laughs> probably film. um but he does wear a top hat probably some folk songs about that guy here's another one from gangs of new york and now that you know the premise the premise we'll discuss did Daniel Day-Lewis catch pneumonia because Bill the Butcher wouldn't have worn an insulated coat in between takes because Ooh. it was the 19th century? I think he did that. Did he do that? He did do that. Oh my goodness, he got pneumonia. Which I think is dumb, and here's why. He pulled a William Henry Harrison. Well, he, he didn't die. He didn't die. That's true. But it is interesting that this, like, this is like that experimental archaeology thing. Where, you know, so for listeners who don't know, my hero, Ruth Goodman, went to build a castle in France. There's, there's this project where they're building a 13th century castle using entirely period appropriate techniques. So they started in 1990 and they're still going. It's really hard. Yeah. And this is called experimental archaeology because they're trying to find yes, out. Is. Yes, exactly. We they're talk about it in my archaeology class, not that particular instance, but stuff like it. Anyway, I really want to go there, but... Oh, Amelia, you should go, because you have to know French to work there for safety reasons, <laughs> because it's an active building site. But they let students come and, like, work there for a few weeks. You should learn French so you can go. You should become a medieval studies major so that you can go. <laughs> we should meld into one person so we can go together. Perfect. Oh, my God. What if I be your hands, like David <laughs> Bowie? You In be Labyrinth? David Bowie? <laughs> We spoke about this on the show previously, so diehard listeners will know. David Bowie and Labyrinth, you're the arms doing I'm the, the arms juggling doing of the, the juggling, special things. Or in this case, the masonry. Yeah, um, and I'm just the And head. you're the head speaking French. 
what if we did the old fat the good old fashioned uh two kids in a in trench, a trench coat? coat? <laughs> <laughs> well, I here's the thing. When they filmed this TV show, so they filmed a TV show about it called Secrets of the Castle, where they sent the gang. So Victorian Farm is a TV show where Ruth Goodman, Queen of Queens, icon of history, and her two stupid friends, Alex Langlands <laughs> and Peter Ginn, who are not stupid, they're also respected archaeologists, whatever, <laughs> went to live as Victorian farmers for a year. Um, and it's so cool, and I highly recommend it to everyone who enjoys the world. Um, high quality stuff. Then they did Edwardian Farm. Same premise, different time period. Just S-bend corsets. Yes. Well, not for her because she's a farmer, so That's she has true. to dress practically. That's true. Um, and she's she's got a farm like all the time. Um, it's crazy. She, she's always farming. Isn't it crazy that these farmers are constantly just like farming? farming? <laughs> crazy stuff. Then after Edwardian Farm, they did Wartime Farm. Which I didn't watch the Which whole war? two. Okay. I didn't watch all of Wartime Farm because it made me sad. Fair. And then they went back in time and did Tudor Monastery Farm. But Alex left because he had bigger and better things to work on. Such as? Well, I don't really know what he went to do, but I will say that one of the articles that I'm citing for my big independent project in history class was in a journal slash collection slash thing that he was the main editor of. Uh, so all of these people publishing. are still doing, well, not like editor, like the historical, like they're all doing real history work yeah, as well. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. Unlike so, American adventure television where it's just some guy, you know? Right. <laughs> but this isn't just adventure. Like they're running around going, ah, yes, we're learning about the importance of when the plow came to Britain. Um, they talk a lot about that. They, I mean, they bring their history in, but yes. Yeah. You are correct. But anyway, they replaced him with this guy, Tom. I don't like Tom as much. I, I don't feel that Tom's chemistry with Peter is as good. So for reference, Ruth is always, Ruth always has to stay at the house and do that side of farming because she's a woman. <laughs> and the boys work the field. And Ruth has always learned, she has to cook and she has to learn about the crafts. And she has to milk the cows, and sometimes they milk the cows. They all milk the cows, but they're all very busy all day. But th because of this, it means that the two men spend a lot of time on screen together. Mm. So their relationship. Are they friends? Oh, they're best friends. Good. But. It would make for better television if they hated each other. Like no. on um, uh, Love It or List It, if they had that kind of oh. dynamic. Yeah, but they <laughs> dislike each other on love it or list it oh do you wait are you referring to hillary and david yes or are you referring to the couples i'm referring to hillary and david but they don't actually hate each no, other i think that's why it would be a funny dynamic but it's so they're just <laughs> so bad at acting it's like I'm, he's a great real estate agent and she is an excellent interior designer. interior designer and remodeler but they are very bad at pretending to be angry at each other it's true and every episode they're like oh you rascal and they don't get any better i know They've been doing it for so long. You'd think that the network executives would be like, we should get an acting coach in just yeah. to teach them. It um, would ruin the charm. I know, but it's so funny because they're like, oh, they're going to sell this house and you know it. Oh, not if I have anything to say about it. You anyway, what I was saying was Daniel Day-Lewis. 
um, not wearing a good coat is like experimental archaeology to teach us that, yes, it is possible to just get a cold and die yeah. if you don't dress properly in the 19th century. Just like William, like, just Henry, like William Harrison. Henry Harrison. Although they did have, like, layers back then. Yeah. Like, people weren't walking around freezing to death constantly because they didn't no. have insulated you coats put on like your we woolens. have. Exactly. So, anyway, I think that's stupid. Um, all right, what else did, did Daniel Day-Lewis do? All right. When working on The Last of the Mohicans... Oh, jeez. Did he eat food he could catch and kill himself exclusively? Ooh. Well, are you... Is it whether he caught and killed it himself, he did actually? Mm-hmm. Or, or just, whether he could have caught and killed. Yeah, no. like, if he was like, this is a reasonably sized steak, I think I could have taken this cow. Mm-hmm. No. The okay. former. Okay. No, I don't think he did that. He did. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't know if he exclusively ate food that he could k- catch and kill, but I know he did g- learn how to catch and kill food. And eat it. Okay. And, you know, like, do all the intermediary steps. Like, like skinning and, and munching. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For the film My Left Foot, where he played a character with cerebral palsy, did he go everywhere in a wheelchair and demand to be spoon-fed? Oh, I sure hope he didn't do that. Oh, he did. Oh, no. He did indeed. Um, Which is weird. Yeah. He's just so weird. He's so weird. Okay. I think you know this one. For the film Lincoln... Did he demand... <laughs> okay. There are three Okay, that are part of the first part. And then there's a second part. Okay, part one. Yes. Did he, A, demand to be addressed as Minker... Minker. Minker. <laughs> I was going to say Mr. Lincoln. It didn't come out right. That's not even what my thing says. It says Mr. President. Did he demand to be addressed as Mr. President throughout the process? Did he refuse to have anyone speak around him in any accent but an American accent? Because Abraham Lincoln would only have known Americans. And did the call sheets say Abraham Lincoln? Yes to all three. Yes to all three. <laughs> now here's the tricky one. Did he sign his text messages to other members of the cast, Abe? Oh no, that would be incredibly awkward as a fellow cast member, I think. Oh, he did. He did. He did. He would sign he would sign texts to Sally Field, for example. Yours A, and she would write back as Mary, saying, Why are you wasting your time on your phone? Go to your job. I mean, at least it was like a little thing they yeah, had. Yeah, it is like a like, cute little thing, but yeah. it's also very annoying. Yeah. But I don't understand if he's really committed to it, he shouldn't have a phone. That's true. It should only be carrier pigeon. Exactly. He shouldn't have Telegram. a phone. Telegram. He has no respect for the craft. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I think we only have one left. Yes, we only have one left. Before being cast in My Beautiful Laundrette, the director was worried that casting such a privileged guy, like with Daniel Day-Lewis's background, as a working class punk would not read well. Yeah. In order to convince him, did Daniel Day-Lewis write a letter to the director threatening to break his arm if he didn't get the part? (gasps) Yes. (laughs) 
No. He oh, threatened okay. to break his leg. Oh. Another trick. I know. That's just the way Daniel Day-Lewis operates. Operates That crazy, crazy guy. What a guy. I Indeed. had no idea he was such an intense method actor. Yeah, he. but like, actually though, it's, yeah. I mean, it's crazy because you know that time that Jared Leto sent someone a dead pig? Yeah. I feel like that sort of pales in comparison to Daniel Day-Lewis. everything Day Daniel Day-Lewis Because he does it done. like 24 seven. I can understand why he's retiring so early, although I don't think it's going to last. Wait, how old is he? He's 64. Oh. Which, in a normal job, is retirement age. But, yeah. like, look at Dame Judi Dench. Has I, she yeah. stopped? No. Good on her. Good on her. Speaking of dames, I want to briefly address the new Downton Abbey film that is coming out. And I want to address this with Amelia, who's never seen Downton Abbey. Yes. Because I think she can be a good source of rationality for Downton Abbey. So, I really like the piano music that's happening in the background right now. I don't know. If yes, it's I be wonder if it's being picked up. It's very nice. Um, first of all, the trailers for both this Downton Abbey film and the last Downton Abbey film, when they go to the part where they would list the names of the actors, they don't list the names of the actors. They list the names of the characters. Oh, it's hysterical. <laughs> it goes like suspension, but it doesn't even list their names. It lists their titles. Oh. So it's like Lord Grantham, Lady Grantham, the Dowager Countess of Grantham. Oh my goodness. The Marquess of Hexenbury. As if these are real people. I mean, they're so, A, they're so not real people. But B, it's so funny. <laughs> and so they do all the, the the family, and then they do the servants. They go, Mr. Carson, Mrs. Carson. Mrs. Hughes was her, her previous name when she married Mr. Carson. Now she's Mrs. Hughes. Carson. It's sort of good for her. And it's sort of just, like, fine. Like, I'm happy they're happy, but I also... No, I am happy they're happy. My qualm, and this is when I stopped watching the show, was in the episode that they got married, they had this, like, barn wedding. Um, oh. Shabby chic. Oh. No, I don't think... It was It was just a building near okay. grass. And I assume that that's a barn. Because I'm city <laughs> folk. Um... Everyone was going to the bride and groom. Hooray! It's Mr. Carson and Mrs. Hughes Carson. And then everyone's going to the bride and groom, to the bride and groom. And then who should show up but Tom? And he goes to the bride and groom. And Tom's been, like, gone for several episodes. So everyone now makes a fuss about Tom's return. Way to take away from the moment. He totally stole their thunder, and I hate it. It's like when people propose at other people's weddings. Have, has that happened? That you've witnessed it? I've never witnessed it in person. But I know it's a thing. That no. people have to be like, don't propose at other people's weddings. That's outrageous. I know. That's like, oh, you know what? That's like um, when Ross and Rachel got back together on the night that Monica and Chandler announced their proposal and they stole her thunder. Yeah. And she kept saying, why does everyone keep stealing my thunder? And that episode is called The One with Monica's Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So that's down. So, so anyway. This new film, which is ostensibly called Downton Abbey, is the, not set. As the, well, the first, the first one was called Downton Abbey. This next one is called Downton Abbey, A New Era. Is it? Yeah, it's like the 20s. The as late 20s. To, well, it's all been, the, well, okay. Has it been World War One before this? I genuinely don't know a lot. It's so been World War One. Okay, let me, <laughs> let me give you a brief sketch of Downton Abbey history. The first episode 
Bum 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 da 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 da. That's the theme song. Um, the bells are ringing, ding a ding a ding a ding. Everyone's hustling and bustling. Newspapers late. Ah, oh, Mr. Carson's mad. He's the butler. William comes to the door. He's the footman. He's the second footman. He goes, newspaper boy, you're late. The newspaper boy goes, I know, but and William's but like, war. no buts. No, no, no. It's 1912. Oh. Um, 1912. Shh. Is it the Titanic? Shh. We'll get to that. <gasps> and William's like, no buts. And he's like, you'll see. And so he goes away. He takes the newspaper. They go to iron the newspaper because they do this, of course. Okay. Why do they iron the newspaper, you ask? That's exactly what Daisy asks. Daisy's the scullery maid. Love Daisy. Miss, Miss O'Brien, who's mean, says, so the ink doesn't get all over his lordship's hands. Because, da okay, so Daisy's making a fire and she's working with coal. And so Miss O'Brien meanly says, so his lordship's hands don't get as black as yours because her hands are covered in coal because she's dirty and filthy because she's a gross scullery maid. Anyway, William is ironing the papers and Mr. Carson says, oh, don't do them all. We don't have time. Just do the one that her ladyship likes the most. And so he's ironing the papers and he's looking at it. He's like, uh, Mr. Carson, something crazy's happened. Is it the Titanic? Shh. I mean, it is, but. Oh, so it's April. So this takes place it in is, April. Yes. But we don't know that it's the Titanic yet. And then the family's all heard of it. So the daughters are walking into the room. And one of them says, I thought it was supposed to be unsinkable. And then Lord Grantham says his big line, every ship is unsinkable. No, 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 he doesn't say that. I'm sorry. Ignore that I said that. He says, every mountain is unclimbable until somebody climbs it. So every ship is unsinkable until someone sinks it. And I'm like, why would you say that? Um, <laughs> and so they're all like, well, this is so awful. Um, and then Mr. Carson is like, telegram. Uh, Mr. Lord Grantham gets a telegram. He reads it. He goes, um, you don't know, I don't know if you can tell because I'm wearing a mask, but I just dropped my jaw. And listeners, you can't tell because I'm not in front of you, but I just dropped my jaw. Um, and then cut to upstairs where Lady Grantham, an American, is having breakfast in bed. She was an American heiress. He married her for her money, but then they fell in love. Aww. Oh, time to take a little break because this is the part of the show called Romy Goes and Gets Her Laundry. I shall return anon. time has passed the magic of editing and we're in the same place we sure are um which is why the ambient noise is exactly identical where did we leave off the titanic <laughs> that's right april 15th 1912 it's so true hit the iceberg on the 14th my birthday oh my god yeah congratulations yeah you're like a little bird baby yeah um so lord grantham's jaw drops Cut to upstairs, Lady Grantham, the American, in bed, reading her newspaper. Lord Grantham pokes his head in. They have separate bedrooms. This is her special is room. Proper. This is her special room, though. They normally sleep in the same room, I think. But this is her dressing room, which also has a bed in it. And he has his own dressing room. For separate naps. Abby. Yeah, for when they take their naps. Um, anyway, she looks up. She goes, oh, isn't it awful? The Titanic, so sad, whatever. Um, and he goes, well, 
turns out James and Patrick were on that ship. <gasps> Who are they, we ask? I was just going to ask. Well, turns out James and Patrick are the heirs to the Downton Estate, oh. Lord Grantham's first cousin and his first cousin's son. And Lady Grantham is like, what? They weren't supposed to leave for another month. He said they had a change of plans. <gasps> oh, no. Terrible, terrible. So... We're waiting to hear. The news comes back. They were, in fact, dead. Oh. What do we do? What's gonna happen? The heir to the estate is dead. Oh, no. And he only has, he has three daughters, right? No sons. And the daughters are named Mary, the eldest. She's a little mean. She, she grows and develops over the series, but at the beginning, she's just mean. Edith, the middle one. Not the namesake of my cat, by the way. Well, I actually don't know. They may be, because they named her at the shelter. That might have been what they were thinking of. It's true. Um, and Sybil, the youngest and best. Um, so none of them can inherit the estate. So they go into this period of mourning, and then a lot of time passes in the first, like, ten minutes of the episode. And the Duke is coming. The Duke, Duke. of somewhere or other. I don't remember just what like the Duke Just like in Frozen. Of. It's just like in Frozen, yes. The Duke of Weaseltown. Weaselton. Thank you. <laughs> He's a handsome young duke um, who's coming to stay at Downton. Just like in Moulin Rouge. Sure. <laughs> is Ewan McGregor the duke? That's the gag, is he's not the duke, but what's her name? Satine thinks he's the duke, so she, like, dances special for him, but he's not the duke. The duke oh. is this little guy. Just like in Frozen! Just like in Frozen! Wow. It all comes back to the same thing. It does. So, but this is, he's normal height. Um, <laughs> this Duke. And he is clearly out for Mary's money. Because he believes that now that the heirs have died, Mary might stand a chance to inherit. We know that that is not the case. Because of the... The entailment, which sends it to the next male heir. Um, but he doesn't know this yet. So he's coming around, perving around after Mary. He's not really perving around after Mary. He's just courting her, sort of. And then he says, let's go exploring. And she's like, okay, what? He's like, show me around the house, the secret parts. Uh -huh. And she's like, okay. And then he goes, let's go to the attic. Uh and they go to the attic. Um, oh, and by the way, Mr. Bates is there. He's the new valet, but, and that's how they say it, they say valet, um, because they're British. But he has a limp, which is very hard for a valet to have, because yeah. he has to go up and down the stairs all day. And who's he? Well, he was Lord Grantham's batman in the war. <gasps> Batman, um, in the Boar War. Oh yes, which they were in together. You know you can buy preserved foods from the Boar War. Can you and really? eat them? Okay, I I believe that you can. Should you? I don't believe that you should. No, absolutely not. Although you can have that hard tack from the USS, the USS Constitution. Constitution. Yeah. Same deal. Um, Preserved food. Lasts forever. It does. 
Do you think a hundred years from now people will say, you can get spam from the past? Twinkies! Twinkies are great. Remember in Wally when he had all those Twinkies? No. I'm pretty sure he had Twinkies in Wally. Okay. Don't worry about it. Anyway. I believe you. Excuse me. Everyone is upset because, oh, Thomas is upset because Thomas is the first footman. And Thomas wants to be the valet. He wanted a promotion. And his co-conspirator, Miss O'Brien, is also mean. And so all of the staff come out for a big hello for the Duke. Yeah. Um, listeners, when I said hello, I waved. That's what they do. They're all like, hello. Waving. Yeah. Except they're not. They're like curtsying. You know. Yeah. Downton Abbey. Um, and Miss O'Brien trips Mr. Bates. <gasps> and he falls flat on his face. And he can't get up. Because he has a limp? Yeah. Oh, and that's really rude. It's really rude. But the Duke is like, bah, 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 bah. and then he's like, oh, no. My man is ill, his valet. I shall have to borrow one of yours. Um, <laughs> and Mr. Carson says, I'll do it. Um, and then this guy, this slimy scumbag, says, oh, no, 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 no. You're far too busy. You're the important butler. I'll just take this guy, points to Thomas. What's your name again? He goes, it's Thomas. He goes, Thomas. Oh, because he says, oh, you, you dressed me last time I was here, or whatever. Ba -ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. So he's going to have Thomas dress him. Now he's exploring the house with Mary, and he, he's like in the attic. And Mary's like, I don't know what you want to see in the attic. It's all just servants' bedrooms. And he's like, I just want to poke around and get in the place. Ugh. And then there's the door between the women's side and the men's side. Um, and he's like, well, what's beyond there? And she's like, well, that's the men's rooms. Only Mrs. Hughes is allowed to turn this door. Mrs. Hughes, you will remember, is the housekeeper. Yes. Who is now, in the present day, married to Mr. Carson. In the present day. Um... And he looks into all of the rooms. And she's like, I don't think we should be going in there. And he's like, why not? It's your house. Um, and she's like, it's private things. And he's like, this is your house. I don't like his vibes. And he starts rifling through the drawers. Oh. But, he's, uh, but we learn later that he's doing this for a reason. It's not a good reason, but it is a reason. Um, and then Mr. Bates shows up. And... Mary's so embarrassed. She's like, oh no, I've been caught doing the wrong thing. And Mr. Bates is like, hey, what's happening here? And she's like, we were just exploring. And he's, he opens his door and he says, care to explore my room? And she's <laughs> like, no, let's leave now. <laughs> so the Duke is a scumbag. And then... Just like in Frozen and Moulin Rouge. It's so true. There are no good Dukes. No. That's the moral of the story. So then it's after dinner, and Lord Grantham and the Duke are having their after dinner cigars and port. And the Duke is like, Luddy duddy duddy duh. I'm so sorry to hear that James and Patrick have died. Of course, I think this means things have changed for Mary. And Lord Grantham, I'm switching cigar hands now. <laughs> Lord Grantham is like, Well, it doesn't. But I'm sure... Oh, no, 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 he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. 
He goes, I'm so sorry to hear about that. Blah, 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 blah. Does this change things for Mary? He says, no, but I'm sure you'll find she'll be very, very well provided for if you want to marry her. And he says, my dear Lord Grantham, please don't think that I'm trying to suggest that I want to marry her. Because now that he knows it's not, she's not going to get any money, he doesn't want to marry her. Yeah. He says, don't my dear Lord Grantham me. You know exactly what you were suggesting. So crazy stuff. So he's like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Blah. Very angry. Then he goes upstairs where Thomas is lying in wait. He's not lying in wait. It's just his job. It's not weird. Um, and now that they're together... He's like, well, I wouldn't have come all this way. Um, oh, I forgot to mention. We see Thomas going down to the village to send a letter in the beginning. Yes. So we can put it all together because he says, well, I wouldn't have come if I had known that she wasn't getting any money. He says, but didn't you come to see me? Um, and they're like sort of cuddling. They're not really cuddling, but like they do start. He starts kissing him later, does Thomas to the Duke. And now we understand Thomas mailed the letter to summon the Duke to say, hey, we are lovers. Marry my sister. No, that's not his sister. It's not his sister? No, Thomas is the footman. Thomas is the footman. Marry this lady that I work whom for. I work for. Um, and he wants to be this guy's valet forever, his boyfriend. And he's kissing him, but the guy isn't really that interested. Um, and he's like, he didn't you come to see me can't you give me a job as a valet and he's like i have a valet what would i like i don't need a I need two i don't need you Aww. and thomas is very sad yeah um and he says i have all of our letters you know i could expose you blackmail and he says you mean these letters and he takes out the packet of letters oh because he went right from exactly 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 now we understand <laughs> he goes you mean these letters and Thomas is like, where did you get those? And he's like, they like scramble for it. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. And then he throws them in the fire. Oh my goodness. And then Thomas is very embarrassed that he scrambled and he adjusts his waistcoat. Um, <laughs> and. Yeah, because he says, who would believe the word of a footman over the word of a duke? He says, I have proof. You mean this proof? Bam, fire. Angry. Gone. And so. Then they don't really mention again that Thomas is gay until, like, season five. How many seasons are there? Six. Wait. There are okay. six seasons. Okay. They sort of mention it where they're, like, because Daisy's a little bit in love with Thomas. And Mrs. Petmore is, like, he's not a ladies' man, Daisy. Um, <laughs> he's not for you. So the only trait that Thomas has that is consistently established is that he's, like, evil and conniving. Aww. And also gay. Um, <laughs> he was always my favorite character because it's so funny how evil he is. But now he's nice. In because, the film? Well, yes. And over the seasons, in the fifth season, they made him nice, because first he tried, like, hormone therapy, basically, to ungay himself. Mm. But that doesn't, A, it doesn't work, and B, it was making him unwell. Um, and then we were like, oh, now we feel sad for him. And then they were like, and now he's nice, because we realized it's optically not good for us to have the only gay character be completely evil. <laughs> um, and to suggest, if, as we maybe have suggested in the past, that the one trait has caused the other trait. Oh, <laughs> no. So, 
So that's where we are on that. Um, and then season, oh, so the end, okay, so we're, why did we start talking about this? To set the scene of this timeline. So the end of season one, they're at a garden party. As one is. Like, like um, that song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. song, The Garden Party. Yeah, what's that called? I'm not going to look it up. Don't worry about it. No. Listeners, don't call in, because I'm not there. <laughs> um, they're at a garden party. Oh, and Lady Grantham has been pregnant this whole time. Not this whole time, but she gets pregnant halfway through the season. Um, like, I'm, we're not even talking about the main plot of the show, which is that Matthew shows up. He's the heir. He's, like, his Lord Grantham's third cousin's son. Yeah. He's a solicitor. <gasps> like, he has a job all the day long. And his father was a doctor. And Lord Grantham is like, how strange that my third cousin should be a doctor. Um, and, like, have a job. And now everyone thinks that Matthew should marry Mary to keep it in the family, but Mary doesn't want to marry Matthew. But then they fall in love. Um, so annoying. Um, <laughs> so they have this garden party, and we're very excited because Lady Grantham is pregnant. We think she could have a son. Um, because right now, Matthew and Mary are not in love yet. I mean, okay. they are, but they haven't committed to it. Mm-hmm. No commitment to the bit. Yeah. So we think, oh, she can have a son and save Downton. And then Miss O'Brien is mad at her for some reason. She thinks she's about to get fired. And she doesn't know that Lady Grantham is pregnant. So she leaves a piece of soap outside the bath. Mm-hmm. And Lady Grantham slips on it. And Miss Mary's. <gasps> no! Now, O'Brien... Oh, people watch this. There's so many... I know, I know. O'Brien wasn't expecting her to miscarry. She was just like, oh, she'll slip and fall. And I'll have my revenge. So she feels very bad about this, as we know, because later, Mr. Bates wants her to do something. She's like, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, three words, her ladyship soap. <laughs> and we're like, what? Um, her ladyship soap. It's so true. Um, <laughs> so they're at this garden party. And we're all very happy because we think that this baby's going to be born. And then we find out, no. And then Lord Grantham gets a telegram and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I have terrible news to announce. We are now at war with Germany. End of season one. Here comes World War One. Here comes World War One. Season two starts two years later. Battle of the Sun. <laughs> are we going to go through all the seasons? No. Because I don't... Well, we'll just go through most of them. We're talking about the film. I know, but you need this to understand. Okay. Season two opens at the Battle of the Sun. Um... Which, by the way, no, I don't want to get into my feelings on World War One. No. Just that, like, sometimes I'll be sitting alone in a room and I just start crying about how sad World War One is. Um, Matthew is there, and Thomas is also there, and they're in the same gang. Um, it's very sad and awful. And Thomas is really having a bad time. So he sets up, he puts his lighter out above the trench to get his thumb shot off. Oh. Because... If you put your letter, then the Germans will know where to fire. Yeah. His thumb. This wound sends him back to Blighty. That's England. Um. Anyway, so yes, World War One does happen in the show. In answer to your original question. <laughs> um. And then World War One ends. Armistice. Halfway through the season. Um. It's only a half season war. Yeah. Okay. Downton becomes a convalescent home for returning officers. Hmm. Um, oh, and one of them pretends to be Patrick. Oh, I think 
think I've seen that mm-hmm. particular I think part. you have. I think we've talked about yeah. this. Yeah. My parents watch Downton Abbey, and occasionally I'm in the room at the same time. Yeah, so this is part of it, and he tricks Edith. Edith was in love with Patrick the whole time. Yes, And she was very I've sad because this, Mary yes. was supposed to marry Patrick, and Mary wasn't sad enough when Patrick died, and Edith resented her for that because Edith was very sad when Patrick died because Edith loved Patrick. But Mary was going to get Patrick because Mary's the eldest. Um, Like me, I would have gotten Patrick. Yeah. But I don't think I would have wanted him. Well, he's not a character on the show. He dies before the show starts. So no way to know. know. No way to know. Um, Anyway, then season three, I sort of don't remember at all. Okay. Not important then. Well, it's overshadowed by two big events. One, Lady Sybil dies. Okay. In childbirth. Oh my God. I forgot to tell you about Lady Sybil's relationship with Tom. Tom is the chauffeur. He's Irish. He's (laughs) He's a Republican, small r which in Ireland means he wants Irish independence and he sort of resents the English people that he works for. But he falls in love with Lady Sybil because she's also politically minded. She's a suffragette. Oh. Um, Yay. And she is at a protest in Ripon, the near town, that turns into a riot and she gets injured and he saves her. Um, Because he's the chauffeur, he drove her there. Um, And they fall in love, but it, it is not allowed because she is the lady and he is the chauffeur. But I remember this. But they run away in the night at some point. Oh, and then there's one time where the general comes and they think he's going to poison the general um, because he's like, oh, I'm going to give him a little surprise with the soup. And then (laughs) just because. And then, yeah. And then he was like, dear Sybil, I did something really I'm I'm, going to do something really bad with the soup. I'm sorry. I don't mean it to put on him. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was going to spill the soup all over his head. That was my little surprise. And they were like, oh my God, what? And he's like, yeah, oh my God, I would never poison the soup. And they're like, I don't know, it was very funny. Um, they abscond in the night, they elope. Then he returns and now he's sort of part of the family, which is very, that's the theme of season three, which is very tricky to navigate because he was the chauffeur. And so now all the other servants are like resentful that mm-hmm. he's so fancy. Um, and Sybil is pregnant. And, oh, but she dies in childbirth. Uh, which is awful. And so not necessary, by the way. It was so stupid. But what happens is she has preeclampsia. And the local doctor, they bring in a specialist, Sir Philip something. Sir Philip Sidney, I want to say. No, Sir Philip Sidney is someone else. But they bring in Sir Philip, a Harley Street doctor. And they, but Dr. Clarkson, the local doctor at the cottage hospital, is also there. And he says, this is going to be a difficult birth. We should do a C-section. And the fancy doctor says, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no. Um, so she has the baby and she dies. Oh, no terrible because she's the best one and everyone's so sad and the rest of the show is bad because of it but then later the dowager countess Dame maggie smith yes says cora that's lady grantham's first name good name and robert lord grantham's first name are fighting they're fighting about this because lady grantham says we should have listened to dr clarkson because she said hey this is the doctor who's like grown up with our girls And Robert was like, this is the fancy doctor. 
So she's saying we should have listened to Dr. Clarkson. And they're fighting about it because now she blames her husband on the death of their daughter. Very tricky stuff. And so Dame Maggie Smith pulls the doctor aside and she says, Doctor, I need you to tell them that the C-section would have had a very, very small chance of saving her life and that she was probably going to die either way. And he was like, but that's not true. She said, I know it's not true. We have to tell them. We have to save the marriage. And he says, okay. So he does it. Um, because when Dame Maggie Smith says jump, you say how high. It's true. Um, and then at the end of this season, Mary's just had her baby. And then, and this is so stupid. And this just happened because the actor wanted to get out of the show. Um, I love when that happens. He was walking to the hospital to go see her. And then, boom, an automobile. Um, so he dies in an automobile accident. And season four is really bad. I don't remember any part of it, except that Rose meets a jazz singer who is Aww. black. And she dates him a little bit. And I then like she's jazz. and then she's like, but then he's like, I don't really want to, some reason they don't date. She ends up marrying a Jew who for some reason is named Atticus. Um, That's not a no. normal name in general. And also his family are like, the landed aristocracy and i don't know how that happened because they fled from odessa in the 50s when the pogroms were happening and now his name is lord sinclair the father and then the families try to get to know each other because rose and he fall in love um and this is so funny because the the dad lord sinclair is like ah blah blah blah, blah, blah lord grantham and lord grantham says please let's use christian names and he says there's nothing christian about my name and we're like oh what an annoying jew Ah, calm down already and then lady grantham cora talks about how her, her her maiden name is levinson she talks about how her father harold levinson is jewish she's one of these new york heiresses whom the brits seized yes because downton needed an influx of cash there's a whole smithsonian series about it is there really yeah something about how to marry an american heiress or something oh my god yeah, Do you, I really want to marry an heiress. I because I I want someone who has access to the boards of all of the major art institutions, mm. um, theater institutions, so that I can get my work produced. Um, I just want a wealthy patroness. Anyway, it's the twenties, and then in the recent season, um. Then all other stuff. Oh, and then Mary marries a race car driver, I think. Oh. I don't know. I don't even remember anything about her husband because I stopped watching season six because it was so bad. Her husband is the least interesting man in the world. But now they're going to France. Mm -hmm. It's not even set at Downton anymore. And you know, I sort of feel sad because I know that, like, we're at the time when the aristocracy is really declining. And I know it's, like, a good thing in many ways. But also, what if the show ends? Well, it's gonna end. Okay. It's gone. It's done. It's dead. But sometimes I just feel sad. like, I think I was telling you about this, where they'll be like, oh, you know, for thousands of years, we used to make benches this way. Yeah. An, artis an artisanal bench maker would spend months and months on one bench. And now we don't make them that way anymore. And it's, it makes me so sad, even just though modern you know? benches, like just the, whenever we lose something, it makes me sad. Yeah. Um, 
And the fact that we're losing Downton, I mean, that they're going to France, part of it is, so Dame Maggie Smith's character, the Dowager Countess says, when I was young, I met a man. And now I've inherited a villa in the south of France. And then she gets up and she goes, well, I'll leave you all to discuss my mysterious past. But I also think she's going to die in this one. Aww. Because in the last one, she was like, Mary, I'm old. And I'm going to die at some point. Um, and I don't care for that personally. And here's something that happened in the last one that I really don't like. So they were they gave Thomas a gay adventure where he met a guy because the king and the queen came to Downton. And the king... This one of they had some kind of secretary or guy who is also gay, some dude, and he was like, Thomas, come meet me at this location. And then they go to the location, and they, they, there's like a secret warehouse, and they pull back the gate, <laughs> and there are like five gay couples all doing the Charleston, <laughs> just five, just ten men Charlestoning together, and in a warehouse, in a warehouse, because it's secret, because it's illegal. Um, and the producers of the film are like, you see? Equality. It's very strange. <laughs> but then, police raid, oh no, they all get rounded up. But then, this guy comes back. Oh, I don't think he shows up for the date. He doesn't show up for the date. But someone else at the bar is like, I'm gonna take you to someplace cool, to this warehouse. But then, the guy comes to bail him out of jail because he has this card that says, I work for the king. And so they bail out Thomas. They show him getting out of this, like, car with all of the gay men in it. But he doesn't bail out any of the other men. That's not cool. So that is the part that I struggle most with. Um, well, anyway, now we're going to the south of France. And I don't know if Thomas is really in this one, because he doesn't seem to be in the trailer. And I think Tom is remarrying, because Sybil died. And I think he found a socialist school teacher that he's going to marry, because he's huh. a socialist. Good yeah, but I don't think he should remarry because Sybil Wonderful. Sybil Wonderful, exactly. Um, I don't know. It's going to be so awful. Although I really thought this—the last film was going to be so awful—and then within minutes of watching it, I was just so happy, Aww. and I was like, "Oh my god!" It's like seeing all my old buddies again, my old pals, the Granthams. Um, so anyway. We're not producing as much content this week because this is pre-recorded and I am lazy. So instead, this is where I leave you and also where Amelia leaves you. Goodbye. Goodbye forever. No. We'll be back <laughs> For next about week. a week. Ooh, community event alert. Vespers. Yes. Happening on Sunday, December 5th at 4 p.m. Very exciting. I will is be there. Is it open to the public now? It sure as heck Ooh. is. You're going to need to be vaccinated and... It's for a great cause because we are raising money um, for the local organization Friends of the Homeless. Um, if you enjoy Christmas, this sure will have lots of it. I am in the Handbell Choir. We are playing three great Christmas hits. In the Bleak Midwinter is one of them. <laughs> Gaudete is another one. That's a classic Latin. And Bell Carol Fantasy, which is the Cow of the Bells, but fancy. And then the Smith Glee Club is also performing a lot of Christmas song. It's very Christmassy. Um, so there's that. Highly recommend, 10 out of 10. Now, the end is here of the show. Goodbye.